Uh, well, let me introduce you uh, to who we have today and who's going to be our speaker at Nights of Hope. Uh, this is Ken Freeman. Why don't you go ahead and come on up, Ken? Some of you may know Ken. He's, he's been here twice before, and he's been all over the place preaching. Uh, he said last night, you've been doing this 39 years. 39 years. And I've uh, been serving the Lord, preaching the gospel. Uh, he came to First Baptist Church to Queen in 1998 for just a few days, and they had to extend it uh, for an extended period of time as they saw hundreds and hundreds of people get saved. He came again about six years ago. You were here three days, and we saw 76 people get saved in three days. That next Sunday, we baptized a whole bunch of people, including one lady who could not walk up the stairs to get baptized. It was in February, but she still wanted to get baptized. So we dismissed the service, grabbed a couple bucketfuls of the warm water, and baptized her outside. Was anybody here? Do you remember that? That was something else. But Ken is back, and he's going to preach to us here this morning, and he's going to be preaching each one of these nights coming up this week. And I encourage you, again, like I did earlier, God has such great things in store for so many people, all people. We just need to see them and bring them to hear God's gospel. Uh, so let's welcome Ken this morning, if you will. There you go. All right, thanks. It's all you. Ah, should be. Am I on? Yes, no, yes, I am. If this is your first time to hear me speak, raise your hand. First time ever, and you want to give me money? All right. I love that part. Um, last, I guess it was last July or whenever it was, I was supposed to be here, and uh, I got COVID. It was an incredible experience in my life. 14 days, uh, never lost taste or smell, so I'm happy for that part. Um, I slept for 15 hours a day, five days, at least five days. I was out of commission, and you guys got my son and my grandson, which I heard was a great event, and he was blessed to, to be here. So you've had three generations of uh, Freemans. My son and Caleb were actually in McAllister preaching this morning, and uh, I talked to them yesterday. And uh, so I've been doing this 39 years, and until COVID, I was traveling about 280, 300 days out of the year. For about six months, I had no job, no income. I had nothing. Uh, my wife has some uh, medical issues, nothing bad, bad, but bad enough she can't teach or any of that. She hadn't done for 25 years. So this is how we make our living. This is how we survive. And so when all of a sudden everything, my calendar canceled, my wife said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I guess I'm going to work in the yard a whole lot. And so I cast all the weeds to hell and started planting stuff. Um, but God provided for us. It was an amazing five or six months to be able to trust him. Uh, with, and I got on unemployment for just a few weeks, not long. And, uh, but God was faithful to take care of us. And so... Um, I just preached 16 times in Louisiana in six days, got home, felt great, and three days later, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, my wife has never had COVID, praise the Lord. Uh, I was hoping, especially when I got it, she didn't get it because it was going to be a bad day for me if I gave it to her. So we, we were great with that. I've been vaccinated for you if you need to know that, one in each arm so I can hug on both sides. 
and uh, I just think it's a personal deal, and um, I think what's happened is we've allowed, it's amazing, and, and I'm going to give you a great word today. Each night I'll have a different word. Wednesday I'll share a little of my story, but I would tell you this, that our country is more, um, more divided than it's ever been in America. I don't know how the Build Back Better is doing, but it ain't doing. And all I can tell you is this, we are more divided than we've ever been. Uh, in our country, just even in our schools, our cities. And so I think the only thing, only thing that's going to bring us back together, if we build back better, uh, it's by the grace of God. You know, I'm here by, everybody say grace. grace. It's one of my new shirts out in the foyer. I've got all kinds. I got one that says, Yo Mama is pro life. It's a great shirt, it'll get somebody's attention. And that stuff is out there. My books are out there. I won't get rich if you buy a book. I just go to Walmart a little more than you. Um, I'm, I, I have four more shots this week here. And I see all these names. Can I just tell you this? If everybody, if all of you came back tonight and brought somebody from here, we would double our crowd. And so I want to challenge you. It's amazing how we make excuses not to go to church. We ought to start making excuses to come to church. So I hope that happens this week. Um, our church runs, a, we were running about 14,000 when COVID hit. When we came back, we're back up to 4,000. We're now back to about 10,000. Uh, great church. I love my church. We've baptized over 1,600 people this year. We're not talking about little kids. We're talking grown adults. We've had spontaneous baptisms. In fact, I was there one Sunday and he called me up to pray, and, and it's our 1 o'clock service, and we run around 3,000 in our 1 o'clock service, and I got up and prayed, and then he said, and uh, we had just worshiped a little. We were getting ready to baptize. He said, would you give an invitation? So I just, no sermon, <laughs> just a little worship. We had over 200 people give their life to Christ in that invitation. Many of those came forward to be baptized. So I would tell you this week, if you've gotten saved down the road, Maybe you made a decision when you were younger, all of a sudden you realized that you were never saved and you got saved, and you've not been scripturally baptized. I would encourage you to do that. Get your baptism in order. I think it's an important thing. Amen? So everybody say grace. Now, I'm in, not hur I'm in no hurry. I'm not leaving until 4 o'clock Thursday morning. The reason I'm leaving at 4 o'clock Thursday morning is I'm getting some injections in my back. I've just had some back stuff. Nothing bad, bad, but just to help me. And so I'll leave at 4 o'clock, I'll get home about 11 or 12, and then at 3.30 I'll, I'll be uh, on the table. So uh, I'm in no hurry to get there. Just tell me, I've already done it twice, hopefully the third time's going to make it better. So uh, do me a favor, everybody look at your watch, go ahead and do that real quick. Now we don't have to do that anymore, we've done it together. And I don't know why you're in a hurry, because you're getting ready to go to Sunday school or your whatever groups you're in, and, and so there's no hurry. By the way, if, you, if all God is going to get out of you is Sunday morning, you ought to get saved. I'm going to say that again. If all God is going to get Sunday morning, that's all he gets from you, man, you ought to meet my Jesus. Man, I, listen, I get to be at my church next weekend. We have a Saturday night service at 5, three Sunday services, 9, 11, and 1. And I'll go on Saturday night, and he's preaching through Revelation. It's incredible. And then I'll go again on Sunday. I know he's going to preach the same message, but I just can't get enough. By the way, your worship was phenomenal today. I mean, you're blessed to have that kind of worship. I'm just telling you. 
so there you go. So everybody say grace. grace. This is one of my new shirts. I just, I, it's, I think it's a great deal. I've been preaching this for a while. Finally, I decided, man, I need to put this on the back. Grace paid the debt. Everybody say grace. grace. Works. works. Now, for you that are taking notes, I'm assuming you came ready. Uh, my wife and I, we, we take notes all the time. Uh, I'm constantly writing things down. I have over 50 years worth of notes. By the way, this Wednesday will be uh, my uh, spiritual birthday. This Wednesday, I'll be saved right around 52 years. I was living on a couch. A family took me in, had nowhere to go. I, for you that don't know, and I'll share my story on Wednesday along with the message. Nine stepfathers in my life, in jail at 15, suicidal at 10, Mom was an alcoholic. Dad was pretty much a loser. 24 different schools growing up. And I ended up in Texas uh, on a couch. This family took me in. And a football player, maybe he had my name somewhere, but got me to go to church and I got saved. I ain't ever, ever going to be the same. Now I'll be married next year. I'll be married 50 years. I have to thank you for the compliment. I have two boys and I have 10 grandkids. Um, my oldest grandson is 25. Uh, graduate of Texas A&M, whoop, even though I hate Arkansas today, uh, we should have beat you. But here's the deal. Bottom line is this, I, I, I'm not supposed to have any of that. On this, on this forearm, you're going to see the first tattoo I got, and I got it about eight years ago. My grandson, Trey, uh, at the age of seven, we couldn't beat leukemia. This is Jeremy's youngest son. Um, anyway, we lost him to leukemia. Our loss was heaven's gain. I don't want to ever forget him. His favorite verse was Psalms 56.3. When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. And then you guys, did. how many of y'all met Caleb? If you got to see Caleb, well, we kept saying, but God. They kept saying, no, we kept saying, but God. He's a sophomore in college, walking without a walker, still speaks. In fact, I just talked to him yesterday. I said, Caleb, man, your speech is getting better. And, and I said, you're, you know, you're walking better. And here's what he said. He said, God's got me right where he wants me. Now, he would love to run again. He'd love to play basketball. He said, God has me. He said, if, if God's going to use me right where I am, and he, he's, his mental state is pretty cool, but he says, I know that I, I, I want to walk better and talk better, but this is where God has me. God's going to use me. I'm okay. Everybody say, grace, grace. Works. works. Say, for us, works. in us, yeah. and through us. Here's my hope tonight. My hope, and by the way, this is an incredible auditorium. My hope tonight is that every pew is filled. Is that possible, yes or no? It is possible, but they're not just going to drive by and pull in. Well, that may happen every now and then. You've got to make an effort. How many of y'all have somebody's name up here? Would you raise your hand? How many of y'all know of somebody that if they died today, they'd end up in hell? Would you raise your hand? How many of you know of somebody, let me say it nicer for you. How many of y'all know of somebody that's not a Christian? Raise your hand. That means they're going to hell. I just said it a little nicer the second time. How many of y'all care about those people? Raise your hand. So here's the deal, because I hear it all the time. How in the hell are you doing? What in the hell's going on? I hear these words, and all of a sudden, hell's become a word. Can I make this statement to you? What in the heaven what we do about hell. Our only hope is Jesus. I just read, I mean, just got a news deal on my phone, and there were five people killed at some drag racing deal in, in right out of Kerrville, Texas, right out of San Antonio, lost control, went into a crowd. Three or four people are dead. Several are sent to the hospital, and they weren't there ready to die. 
17 missionaries in Haiti and their families and their children have been kidnapped. I want you to hear me. Uh, and they're, they're asking millions of dollars to set them free. That's the world that we live in today. And grace is the key. Amen? Everybody say grace, grace. Works, works for us, works. in us, yes. and through us. I didn't give them this scripture, but if you have a Bible, I didn't give this to you. You don't have to go there. But it's 1 Corinthians 15. Go, if you would, to verse 10 real quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. When you get there, say, I'm there. If you're looking, say, I'm looking. If you don't have your Bible, say, I'm lazy. All right, here it is. I can say stuff you'd love to say, all right? First, by the way, the difference between me and your pastor is, um, you know, he's got to come up with stuff every week. I don't have to do that, and he has to be nice. I don't have to be nice. I didn't come to make you happy. If I wanted to make you happy, I'd be done in about 10 minutes for some of you. If I wanted to make you happy, then, you know, I, I would give you money. But God's called us to make people holy, not to make friends, but to make disciples. I wouldn't be a good pastor. I don't know how you and my son do it, because I would slap somebody. I would. I wouldn't vote on it, wouldn't pray about it. I would just slap them, ask God to forgive me, and I would be forgiven, and they would be messed up. Everybody say grace. I just wouldn't be a good pastor because I hear stuff like, and I've heard it. One of these days, pastor, I'm leaving. And I'm thinking, if I'm your pastor, I'm thinking my prayers have been answered. Go. <laughs> my favorite one is this one. You'd love this one. My favorite one, Josh, is, is, well, I was here before you. And then I would say to them, and when the rapture comes, you're still going to be here. <laughs> Can I get an amen? So everybody say grace works. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. Look at what he says. He says, but whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his, everybody say favor. That's another word for grace. He said, I poured out his special favor on me, not without results, for I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. Look at what he says in verse 10. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Now I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, my son wants me to get a real Bible one day. Um, but I, I like this version. Go to 2 Corinthians 12. Real quickly, would you look at verse 8? 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Everybody say grace. Oh, be strong. Say grace, grace. Works. works. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 12. By the way, last night over 20 people showed up in this room to pray. I really appreciate those that came last night. We spent about an hour, about an hour just praying through the pews, praying at the entrances on the stage and for these names. That's a very rare thing. That I'm encouraged with that. 2 Corinthians 12, would you look at verse 8? Three different times to beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, look at what he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Ver keep reading. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Look at verse 10. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults of hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Everybody say grace, grace. works. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Here we go. We're going to get there. But let me give you my definition of grace, and I would write it down. Everybody say grace works. 
Now I want you to understand, I got Jesus on my wedding band. I got a watch nobody can figure out. I got tattoos that just want to point people to Jesus. Just, it's discussion. People conversation all the time. I got bracelets that glow in the dark. I was at a movie the other day. My bracelet's just glowing big time. The guy next to me said, sir, would you turn off your phone? I said, it's my wrist. He moved. He said, why is your wrist glowing? I said, because of Jesus. He moved. But all of this is to create conversation. I'm wearing a key. I've been wearing this key seven years. Over seven years I've been wearing this key. I ain't got a clue what it goes to. But here's why I wear it. Because invariably somebody will say, hey, dude, what's up with the key? Well, the key to my life is the cross. Want to have conversation. This week, I challenge you. You don't want to miss one night. Tonight, I'm going to talk about real faith. On Monday night, new message I'm going to talk about four chairs. You do not want to miss Monday night. On Tuesday night, I'm going to talk about the heart. And Wednesday, I'm going to talk about God having a plan, a purpose, and a blueprint. You don't want to miss. Now, all of that could change. I mean, God could change me just like that. But that's where I'm headed as I've prayed through this. Everybody say, grace is a gift. That's definition number one. I want to help you. Because when I finish with this, it's going to be an interesting deal. How many of y'all are going out to eat today, lunch today? Raise your hand. Oh, this is going to be fun. I promise you, this is going to be great. Everybody say grace, grace. is a gift. Here's the second definition. Write it down. I think the truest. Everybody say grace, grace. is getting what you don't deserve. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. How many of y'all have been given more, than, more chances than you could ever count? That's grace. Teenagers, raise your hand, teenager. Most of you teenagers ought to be on restriction until you get married. Can I get an amen? My, 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 my oldest granddaughter, when she was in high school, said, well, when, when do you think I ought to start dating? I said, when you get married. <laughs> By the way, she still doesn't have a boyfriend, <laughs> but she's loving Jesus. Everybody say grace. grace. So say grace works, grace works. for us in us and through us we're also going to look everybody say grace redeems restores say reforms and say rewards we're going to look that moment so grace is a getting what we don't i'd have been a good school teacher and years ago if you would write the letters underneath each other g-r-a-c-e god's riches at Christ's expense. Let me say it again. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. How do you think we made this? Do you think I'd like to have my grandson back? He would be 15 years old. Yes or no? And how do you make it through this? Only by God's and then we got one, it's going to be four years this December and we made it, we're making it through this because of God's the nine stepfathers in my life, the abuse that I went through. And in my books, I have a couple out there, my stories in that, but I want you to listen. I'm here today only by the grace of God. So grace is a getting what we don't, God's riches at Christ. See, I could have gave a pop tiz, y'all would, and y'all would have passed. Grace works. I was at a restaurant it was in LaPorte, Texas, outside of Houston, and uh, I checked into my hotel and went and sat at the counter. It's kind of a little diner, and I ordered my food and got me a glass of water. And the waitress brought me my food, and so I bowed my head, and I, I said grace. And when I finished praying, I looked up, and she had her arms folded. like I, I don't know what was up, but she didn't look happy. 
I call her Olga. Now, if your name is Olga, I'm sorry. I apologize now. She looked like she was from Russia or Germany or something, just a big woman, had her arms folded. She, she looked at me after I prayed for my food. She said, sir, are you a Christian? <laughs> I said, I might be. I didn't know she was going to stab me, shoot me, or what. I said, I might be. She said, I hate Christians. And I said, well, I am a Christian. And, then, and I said, ma'am, this is going to make you more mad. I said, not only am I a Christian, but I'm a preacher. <laughs> she said, I hate preachers more than Christians. <laughs> so I, ma I said, ma'am, why do you hate preachers and Christians? Now, she's going to give a good answer. This is going to really make you uncomfortable. She said, because they're the worst tippers in the world. Pause. I was in Colorado Springs preaching at a pastor's conference, several hundred pastors and their staff. I preached on that night. I was going to preach the next day, went in to get breakfast, sat down, and, and, I, and I mean, there, it was full of pastors in there, and they were all yelling, hey, I want my coffee. Hey, where's my toast? Where's my... I mean, I just sat at this booth, and finally I grabbed one of the waitresses. She's about in tears. I said, ma'am, what's going on? She said, well... Me and this other waitress, we had three or four not show up, and, and we're trying our best. And, the, and then all of a sudden, while we're talking, ma'am, I need my coffee, ma'am. I mean, they're just yelling. And so I pulled her, I said, ma'am, here, here's what I'll do. If you don't cry, I've got, I promise you, I'll tip you and the other waitress, I'll, I'll tip you right. I promise you, I'll, do, I'll probably make up for these guys here. Maybe not completely, but I'm going to do my best. And I said, if you can bring me some wheat toast and uh, and a glass of orange juice, I'd be good. She brought it, brought it over. So I sat there and ate my toast, and I just listened to all the pastors yelling and screaming, and finally they all left, and as they left, I got up, Josh, and walked around just to see what kind of tips they left. One table had eight pastors. They left like $3.76, I counted it. Couldn't even leave $4. As I went through... There was probably less than $20 in tips, and there were well over 30 or 40 preachers in that room, not telling the ones that came and left. So finally, they came over to me, and I gave each of them $50. She said, sir, why would you do that? I said, because I'm embarrassed. And by the way, I don't filter real good. I'm getting ready to talk now when I'm done to these guys. And I said, man... I just want you to know that I want to take, I want you to know that not all preachers are that way. I mean, they started to cry. I said, you don't have to cry. So I went in to preach. Oh, this is good. I said, how many of you guys ate breakfast this morning over here? And I said, would you all stand up? About 40, 50 <laughs> men stood up. This is awesome. They're standing. There weren't many that didn't stand, but at this point, they're probably pretty happy. I said, gentlemen, I just want you to know that I, I apologize for you to these two waitresses. As you guys yelled and screamed for your coffee and your toast and your orange juice, and as I went around and looked, you guys are very cheap people. So I want you to know that I, I gave them a very sizable tip, but this afternoon as we go to lunch, I'm going to watch you. I'm going I'm, I'm to watch. And when, and when you finish, I'm going to come over and see what kind of tip. Are you ready for this? I, I, I was the last one out. The waitresses came over to me. They were just pumped. They got over $500 in tips. <laughs> but I want you to listen. Grace works. Now, I know you all thought I forgot. Go back to my restaurant. Olga's standing there. 
finally I'm, I'm running out of water. Have y'all ever been there and you're sucking on ice to make water? You ever done that? Finally, I held my glass up. She held up the water pitcher. I didn't know if it was like a, a mating call. I didn't know what we're supposed to do. I held it up higher, and she, finally she came over, and she put that much water in my glass. So I drank my water, and I left because you know, I wanted to go get something to drink. Everybody say grace works. Grace is a getting what we don't. See, I like even the kids are getting it. God's riches at Christ. So I went to pay for my meal, and standing in line, and I left her a tip. By the way, did she deserve the tip? Did she earn the tip? Did she need the tip? Yes. So I'm standing in line, and all of a sudden, there's a tap on my shoulder, and it's Olga. I didn't know what was up. She said, sir, you left this underneath your plate. By the way, she said, sir, it's a $100 bill. I said, yes, ma'am, that's your tip. You could have seen, I mean, everybody in that restaurant has now stopped. All the waiters and waitresses are very upset that they didn't get me. She said, sir, this is the greatest thing. I probably, I'm going to get to my word. I probably, I'm just setting it up. She said, sir, but I don't deserve this. I said, no, ma'am, you don't. I said, you deserve to be slapped <laughs> or fired. And I laughed. I said, ma'am, I said, ma'am, you didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. She said, I was so mean to you. I don't even like you. I said, I know. Why would you give me a $100 bill? I said, man, before I give you the answer, can I make some observations about you? I said, now nah, I could be wrong. I said, but I bet you you're not married. She said, well, I've been married two or three times. In fact, my boyfriend just walked out on me and my, and my kids. And I said, I was going to say, I bet you have more than one child. She said, I got three. I said, ma'am, I just have a feeling this is not your only job. She says, I work three jobs. And I said, ma'am, I bet you, you need this $100. And she started crying. Did she deserve it? Did she earn it? But did she need it? This is going to be so much fun today. Some of y'all are not going out to eat today. <laughs> We're going home and getting a sandwich. <laughs> I like that grace thing, but not today. By the way, I began to tell her about a man named Jesus who died on the cross for me and her. And we didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. But he did it anyway. I gave her a gospel track. I don't know if she got saved. But that day, grace works. I was in Ada, Oklahoma at First Baptist. I preached this on Sunday morning. Good size. I mean, we had, it was an incredible week. Got in schools, the whole deal. So we went out to eat and with the whole staff. There's about 12 of us waitress comes up and i always say and you ought to try this every now and then i'll say hey we're getting ready to pray for our food how could we pray for you today and you'll get some really weird looks and she said well i'm i'm working a couple of jobs and i got a brand new baby and i'm living at home so i said so you're not married no where's the baby daddy i have no idea and so you're going to school and you're working two jobs and i said all right well and so i told her i'm preaching this by the way she did come to hear me preach and so we finished praying. So as we were finishing up the food, the pastor looked at me and said, sounds just to give her $100, right? And I said, I don't know what to tell you. He gave her a $300 tip. You think she'll ever forget that? But I want you to listen. Grace works. Amen? If you're listening, say yes. Look, if you would, at Ephesians 2. Go to verse 1 real quickly. I'm sure Josh has probably preached on this 
or some form of it or fashion of it. But look at Ephesians 2, verse 1. In order to have grace, everybody say sin works against us. So we got to look at that. So before we get to grace, we need to understand that we needed grace because we were born lost. We were born sinners. In fact, if you read Ephesians 5, 8, don't turn to it. It says before we were saved, we weren't in the darkness of the darkness like the dark. We were darkness. If you read Romans 3, 23, are you ready for this? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But look at Ephesians 2, 1. Look at it close. And you were, mine says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world now i'm reading mine's reading different obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is it is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god and all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires the inclinations of our sinful nature by our very own nature we were subject to god's anger just like everyone else. Now, mine's reading a little different, but you're going to get a couple of versions. Everybody say, say grace works. You see, sin works, sin separates, sin deceives, sin destroys, sin divides, sin brings death. If you read Romans 5, 12, because of one man, Adam, all of us became sinners. And then you go on to read one man, Jesus, are you ready? Grace, there's grace that is greater than all our sin. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Everybody say grace works. Look at, if you would, Ephesians 2, 4. Watch how it works. By the way, the word grace is used over 170 different times in the Word of God. You know what I, pray, what I prayed this week? For the favor of God and for the grace of God to be in this church and that we might go out and, and extend grace to people. Listen, there are people today that need to be here tonight. This week, I believe this. Josh, I believe we're in the last days. My pastor's preaching through Revelation. And I really believe we're in the last days. I don't know when he's coming, but it could be before I finish my next sentence. And here's what scares me. There's a lot, and by, by the way, I don't think I'm preaching to the choir today. There are some of you here, everybody point to your head. Everybody do this. Say you can know about God. Point to your heart without knowing God. This scares me. There are some of you, and I'm, I'm, I'm not throwing rocks, I'm throwing truth, but some of you won't, will not pick up this Bible for another week or two. Some of you didn't even bring it to church. I want you to listen if you claim that you know his grace and you walk in his grace, this Bible ought to be the best thing in your life. This is my 11th preaching Bible, Josh. Already, my other 10 Bibles that I've preached from and, and studied out of, I've already signed them to each one of my grandkids. This one will go to Jeremy. I'll give it to him. This is my last one right here. And I want you to hear me. I'm going to be 70 in March. I'm on Social Security. Anybody on Social Security? Praise God. Anybody on Medicare? Hallelujah. I'm a senior citizen, but I told my wife the day I wear my pants up to here with white socks and sandals to shoot me. Can I get an amen? Yeah, we don't have to look like we're dying. If you're listening, say yes. So grace works for us, in us, and through us. Let me show you. Look, if you would, at Ephesians 2, verse 4. Watch this. But God is so rich in mercy 
that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, look at this, he gave us life when he raised us from the dead, and it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Guys, your marriage, it's only by the grace of God. Did you hear me? The children that you have, that's a picture of God's grace. By the way, grace died on a cross. Grace didn't look pretty on the cross. I mean, bad, I mean, they ripped the beard from his face, crown of thorns. I mean, they, they, you could see inside his intestines. I want you to listen. Grace died on a cross. Grace paid the debt. Everybody say grace works. So keep reading. Look at what he says in verse 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we're, we are united with Christ Jesus. But look at verse 7. I want to see how this one reads. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the unmeasurable, look at this, immeasurable riches of his. But let me read mine. I like how this reads. Listen to mine. Mine says, so God can point to us, Josh. God can point to us by, look at this, he can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness. Guys, we ought to be a picture of his grace. And I challenge him. My wife and I, during the pandemic, there's two or three people that we were helping. I, I went to a food bank. I was this lady living in a hotel for eight years and got nothing. I want you to know that we reached out and uh, we tried to, the best that we can, we tried to be an extension of his grace. You see, grace works for us. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Yours is going to read, For by, for by, you have been, look at this, through faith. This is not of your own works or you're doing that. Any man should boast, but it is a gift of? Grace is a gift. Look at this. Mine says it this way. Mine said, God saved you by his grace when you believe. You can't take credit for this. I love this. It is a gift from God. Everybody say, grace works for us. We couldn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't buy it, but we can receive it. Read on with me. Look at verse 9. Grace works for us, but also in us. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. How many of y'all know good people that are not Christians? Raise your hand. You know what scares me, Josh? I know good lost people that are better than most saved people. Did y'all hear me? They have better kids, better money, better morals, better marriage. And good lost people look at us and go, there's not a lot of difference between me and you, but there should be. Hell will be full of people, watch, that knew, and you may be one of them, that knew about God. They knew about his grace. They knew about the Bible, but they never knew his grace. They never experienced his grace. If you're listening, say yes. Stay right there. Just listen to this. I don't know where I got this, but I wrote this down. If, if I knew, I'd give him credit. God's grace not only saves us, listen to this, church, but also teaches us how to live the Christian life. Those who use God's grace as an excuse for sin... Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, I prayed a prayer. Well, I walked on. By the way, baptism won't save you. It's an outward expression of an inward change. Please listen. God's grace not only saves us, but also teaches us how to live the Christian life. 
And those who use God's grace as an excuse for sin have never experienced its grace's saving power. Everybody say grace works for us, in us, through us. If you're really listening, say I am. Listen to Jude. Listen to Jude, verse 3. Dear friends, I've been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted you once for all time to his holy people. Listen to Jude, verse 4. I say this because some, listen to this, Josh, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. You know what I found out, Josh? More people are getting married than are, excuse me, more people are living together than are getting married. And many of them claim to be Christians. I want you to hear me. God's grace works, but we cannot cheapen the grace of God. If you're listening, listen, if you're living together, I'll do the wedding today. But I want you to understand that it's amazing how we've kind of cheapened the grace of God. Everybody say grace works for us, in us, through us. Look at verse 9. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And let me go ahead and pause. Anything good you see in my life, that's Jesus. Anything bad you see in me, that's me. Don't drive with me because you're going to see me. Yesterday, I had more conversations with people that had no idea I was talking to them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's not going to get any greener. Nobody's at the stop sign. Go! Y'all are laughing because you do it all the time. Everybody say grace. Works for us, in us, through us. Let me read verse 9 again salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it but look at verse 10 for we are gods we are gods everybody say workmanship say masterpiece are you ready this is i think this is an incredible he can take broken pieces and make them masterpieces i was suicidal at 10 one of my dads beat me up i don't know that i wanted to die First drink of alcohol at nine, was in jail at 15. Nine stepfathers, 24 different schools. And I want you to listen. Please, there were churches all around me, Josh. But nobody knocking on our door. Church, if this is going to be typical tonight, the crowd will be smaller. If it's typical. If this is going to be typical, then Monday it's going to get even smaller. And then we might go up a little bit Tuesday and then Wednesday. Let's don't, how many of y'all don't want typical? Would you raise your hand? Come on, hold on up high. Now, if you're not raising your hand, that's because you're not coming back. See, I really believe that there's somebody this week, this is these four days, hope. You read Psalms 39, it says that our days are numbered. Today, it's some drag race and right outside of uh, uh, San Antonio, Texas, Kerrville, Texas. Three or four or five people are dead. They, they didn't plan to die today. You can go on and on. I, you you got to hear me. I believe there are people this week that these four days, it could be one night that could change everything. I was in Yukon, Oklahoma. 
and a lady came up to me on the third night on Tuesday. She said, Brother Ken, I, me and my husband own a daycare center. We have about 30 workers. She said, just pray for us because we've, we, we've been inviting and inviting. And so today, what we did today was we told all 30 workers that if they came tonight to hear, tomorrow night to hear you preach, that we would give each of them $50 a piece. Anybody want to add that up times 30? A lot of money. Plus, if they brought their husband, wife, or if they brought their family, we'll give them $50 each. All they got to do is come. It was, I was going to share my story. Every one of them showed up thinking, man, all, all they got to do is just listen. And by the way, 20 of them gave their life to Christ. Now, I want you to hear me. And they didn't want the $50. Grace works. What can you do this week to get your, your, your baseball team, your football team, what can you do to get your coworkers and your neighbors? See, I'm going to do my part, I promise you. If you'll get them here, they're either going to get saved or they're going to leave really messed up. Everybody say grace. Works. For us, in us, through us. Look real quickly, if you would, uh, at, verse, at verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's workmanship. The Latin says we are God's poetry. Watch this. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Everybody say grace works. Listen, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. Don't turn to it. Just listen. Philippians 2.12. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Listen to this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. But listen to verse 13. Grace works for us, in us, and through us. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Turn real quickly to Titus chapter 2, and we're going to be done. Titus chapter 2, if you would. I'm turning with you. It's where the T's are. Get to Timothy, Thessalonians. Titus is in there somewhere. Go to Titus chapter 2. Grace works. But everybody say grace redeems us. See, I like this kind of microphone. See, if I feel like I ain't listening, I can come to you. If you leave early, I'll follow you. How many of y'all think I'd do that? Raise your hand. I followed two boys to the bathroom one time. They had no, I waited for them to go. They, they hadn't listened the whole time. So I waited. So I followed right. And when they got into the bathroom, they started throwing paper. And as I walked in, all of a sudden, did they need grace? Now, when they went in, they didn't need to use the bathroom. But when I went in, all of a sudden, they needed to go to the bathroom. You see, here's the bottom line. There are people that are dying to go to hell right here in Queen. And I really believe this. What he did over 20 years ago, he can do it again. One of my bracelets says, with God, all things are possible, but God. You don't want to miss one night. Everybody say grace, redeems, reforms, rewards. Look at what he says in, in, in Titus 2.11. Are you saying Titus 2.11? See if we'll get there. Mine says, for the grace of God, look has been revealed bringing salvation. Look at there. For the, come on, for the, come on, for the, has appeared bringing salvation to who? 
is God's grace for everybody, yes or no? The murderer? Charles Manson? The guy that did the Oklahoma City bombing? But here's the bottom line. Not everybody's going to get saved. Here's what scares me. And by the way, during the pandemic, we witnessed to our neighbors. They, they all came to me because they knew I was the preacher. They all wanted some answers. And I listen, I had some great Bible studies in my neighborhood. We sat out and we did movies outside and just different things. But this is the bottom line. My neighbors know that we're not, you know, and they, were, they're, they're, they kept asking me, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you're not going to travel. I said, let me do this. God's grace works. I don't know how it's going to happen. And let me just tell you, if I could, I would love to tell you each, we got gifts out of the blue that we'd never, ever dreamed of getting. But God worked. You see, grace, are you ready? Redeems us, saves us. But look at this. Everybody say grace. I have, Say reforms. Here's what that means for you that are taking notes. Say grace changes our attitude, our appetite. Man, you're listening good, dude. Say changes our attitude, our appetite, and our actions. See, I, I have a lot of people say that they, they're Christians, but their attitude and their actions and their... Listen, I'm hungry for more of God. How many of y'all think I could preach till noon? Scares me too. <laughs> I'm doing that intermittent fasting, so... Uh, I, can't, I, I couldn't eat till like 10 or 10.30 a day anyway. So I'm okay. I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. I used to run three miles a day. I now take my car. <laughs> Get there faster. Look at that. Everybody say grace. Reforms us. Come on, help me. Say changes. Our actions, our attitude, and our appetite. Look at what he says in verse 12. Look at verse 12. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Verse 13. While we look forward, look at the word, while we look forward with blessed, with blessed, this week's about hope, healing, and help. Look at this. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everybody say grace, redeems, reforms. Look, if you would, at verse 14. Look at this. Look at the reward. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. Look at this. To cleanse us and make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing his good deeds. But go, if you would, to chapter 3 and look at verse 3. You, it's very familiar with what we read in Ephesians. Once, too, we were foolish and disobedient. We were misled, became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But look at verse 4. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. But look at verse 6. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. And I love verse 7. Look at verse 7. And so being justified by His, being justified by His, we might become, look at the word hope, according to the of eternal life. Psalms 39 says our days are numbered. 
You can read it, Psalms 39, verse 4. And verse 6 says this, so where do we put our hope? If our life is nothing more than a breath, if it's just a dew on the ground, I mean it's no more than the width of your hand. If our days are numbered, then he asks the question in Psalms, where do I put my hope? And he answers, our only hope is Jesus Christ and his grace. My son was here and I told him I was coming back here and he wanted, Caleb loved being here, he remembers. My son was uh, eight years old. We were living in Pasadena. I was a student pastor there. and We, we kept putting him off. You know, Josh, I, don't know, I know you've got little kids, and I just want to make sure they know what's happening. I don't know that we're ever, ever fully going to understand salvation. We'll never wrap our brains around what grace, but I know that it works. I was saved at 16, and I knew nothing about God, nothing about the Bible, I'm going to ask, is, is Eric, if you'll make your way up and begin to play wherever you are, uh, the music part, or, or somebody, whoever, or maybe the pianist, yeah, that'd be fine too. Would you look at me close? Jeremy prayed a prayer when he was eight. By the way, Josh, I believe you can be saved at eight. I believe you can be saved at nine or ten, but you know what scares me? Here's what scares me today. I meet people who got saved when they were eight, nine, or ten. Now maybe they're 18, 38, 58, 68. You know what scares me? And many of them could give a rip about this Bible. Many of them won't share their faith or what God's done in their life. Many of them don't even go to church. What concerns me is maybe they never experienced God's saving grace. I got saved at 16, living on a couch. Another family let me live in a camper shoved up in their carport. My mom held a knife to my throat when I was 10, told me and my sister we were of no value, we cost her too much money, we'd be better off dead. He died September 1st, 2013. And August the 9th, 2016, he went from five kids to four. He adopted two drug babies, Adele and Luke. Their half-brother and sister. Luke's white as white can be, trying to get hair. Adele is biracial. She's got an afro. We ain't got a clue what to do. We white. Yesterday was Addie's uh, sixth birthday. They're going to find out, Josh, when they get older, that they have the same mom, different dads, that their mom had eight kids with eight different men. My last name is Freeman. On August the 9th, can you imagine him being adopted? Addie Freeman, Luke Freeman. Her trash became our treasure. Jeremy, when he was eight, like I said, prayed that prayer. Then he told me this. He said, Dad, by the time I was 13, and I hope that you'll, if you're listening, say I am. He said, by the time I was 13, Dad, he said, I knew I was lost. I said, how did you know you were lost? Now, he told me this at 16. He said, Dad, it wasn't drugs. He never did drugs. He drank a little bit at his, quote, Christian school. He was a virgin when he got married. So he said, Dad, it wasn't the biggies. Dad, he said, I was deceptive. I could lie. 
He said, Dad, that Bible didn't mean a lot to me. Oh, I went to church. Oh, Dad, I skipped out of church, skipped out of youth group. I, Dad, in fact, if I knew you were coming to speak at our chapel, I'd make sure I wasn't there. And then, Dad, some of my friends got saved. He got, said, I got mad at you. He said, Dad, if I was saved, do you think I would have a passion for this book? Dad, you would think that if I was saved that I'd be more passionate about my lost friends than I am a baseball game. He was a great athlete. And at 16, he was sitting second, third row. I'm preaching about 800 students in Columbus, Texas. He, a guy leaned over and said, Jeremy, something ain't right with you. Now, I, I didn't hear him say that, but that's what he said. They left. About 20 minutes later, Jeremy comes walking down just weeping, walks up to the stage, pulls me to the side. I, I grabbed somebody to keep the invitation going. I said, Jeremy, what is going on? He said, Dad, I want you to know for three years I've raised my hand. Some of y'all are about to do it. For three years I raised my hand to say I was saved. He said, Dad, but I knew in my heart I was lost. There was no way. He said, Dad, the biggest thing was I was embarrassed that you were an evangelist. I just told people that you were a speaker. He said, Dad, about 20 minutes ago, I just got saved. All of a sudden, he wanted to travel with me. He went with me to Illinois. I spoke to 6,000 students at a conference. He's there with me. He traveled with me that summer. I had him come up on the stage. I didn't even give him a, a heads up. I said, Jeremy, come here. First time he shared his story in front of 6,000 people. And how many got saved because they had the same story? They knew about him. They knew about the grace. They knew, but they never experienced it. Jeremy's church the year before the pandemic, we had 157 people saved. Caleb got as many people there as he could. I mean, I just, I went to, I spoke at his school, spoke to the football team. Basketball team had 10 or 12 players. I mean, it was unreal. But on the first service, Josh, an 87-year-old woman came walking down the aisle. It's like an 8.30 service, 9 o'clock, and we had about 15 saved. She came, went over to my son. Finally, Jeremy walked over and says, Dad, I need to say something about this lady. I'm thinking, you know, she's, maybe come to join or praying she said this lady Sue and he called her by name she's been a member of our church 25 30 years at least said dad you're not gonna believe what just happened but she walked over she said Jeremy I know this is gonna shock a lot of people but I just got saved she said when I was 12 years old and it's happening in this room right now I sat at the back I, never, I didn't listen to one word. All of a sudden, I looked over. My three girlfriends are just weeping. So they stood up and went forward. So I went with them because I didn't want to be by myself. And I probably prayed the prayer and got in the baptistry. She said, that was when I was 12. I'm 87 years old. And today I got saved. Can I tell you what she did that afternoon? She called family, grandkids, kids, great-grand. And all of her family came to see her be baptized and that week several several of her family gave their life to Christ guys my hope is that we don't wait till Wednesday to get this 
that it starts tonight. In a little bit, when you go to your Sunday school hour, you know what I'd ask you to do? Talk about grace. But you know what I'd ask you to do maybe today? Pray together. Let's pray for the grace of God to fall on this place. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Sir, ma'am, deacon, church member, visitor, every head bowed, every eye closed. God has been doing a work. I was really encouraged with... As Josh told me, that, you know, these kids have been saved, these students, and we've had some adults. You've seen the grace of God at work. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, as still as you can be, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to ask two questions. Here's the first. How many sitting here would say, now listen to my question, Brother Ken. If my heart were to stop, if I were to die, and by the way, that could happen. If it were a wreck on the way home, it could happen. How many here would say, Brother Ken, and I'm not asking if you've been baptized or christened or sprinkled. I'm not asking if you've walked an aisle. I'm not asking about a prayer that you prayed. I'm not asking about a church that you're a member of. I'm not asking about your convictions. I'm just asking one simple question. If you died, if your heart were to stop, and I would listen close, because my son raised his hands for three years knowing that he was lost. How many here would say, Brother Ken, I listened to your message, and I've looked at my heart. Brother Ken, I can honestly tell you that if Jesus were to come, if my heart were to stop, I know that I'm saved. I know that if I died, I'm going to be with Jesus. I've settled that. Please be careful. Would you raise your hand? Please be careful, please. Put them down. Now, some raised your hands with certainty. Some I could see a little, you hesitated a little. 1 John 5, 13 says, These things are written that you might know you have everlasting life. Second question. I'm not going to come grab you or follow you. And I promise you, there was somebody here that, like my son, just raised your hand one more time. He said, Dad, I kept convincing myself. Second question, I'm not going to come grab you or follow you. I am going to pray for you. How many here would say, if my heart were to stop, if I were to die? Brother Ken, this might surprise my husband, my wife, my mom, my dad, my kids. It might surprise my church. Brother Ken, I'm going to be more real than I've ever been in my life. I now realize why I don't have a passion for lost people, a passion for the worst. I now realize my attitude, my appetite, my actions. I now realize that I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I've ever experienced His grace with every head bowed, every eye closed. Is there anybody here, even one, that would say, Brother Ken, I'm tired of playing games like your son. I'm tired of being something that I'm not. So, Brother Ken, if you would, would you pray for me? Here's the deal. How many here would say, Brother Ken, I honestly don't know that I'm saved. Honestly don't know that I'd go to heaven if I died. Honestly don't know that I've experienced that grace. Brother Ken, would you just pray for me? If that's you, would you slip your hands up? Put them up high. Just want to see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Put them back down. Let me tell you why I'm going to ask it a second time. 
And maybe you're watching online. I don't know if you're doing this online. And if you're online and, and you don't know that you're saved, let me tell you, today is the day. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today is the day of salvation. Now, a couple of you didn't raise your hand to either question, so I'll tell you why. Either God's not dealing with you, God's done dealing with you, or you just don't need God. So can I ask it again, sir? Boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, church member, one more time. How many one more time would say, Brother Ken, I honestly don't know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? If that's you, raise your hand one more time. Come on, put them up high. Come on, young lady, sir. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Put them down. Now, you that raised your hands, would you listen to my voice? The Bible says, if you can believe in your heart, Romans 10, and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he raised from the dead, he said, I'll save you. Everybody say, I believe. Everybody say, Jesus died on my cross for my sin. I didn't deserve it, couldn't earn it, couldn't buy it, but I believe he did it for me. Now you seven or eight that I could see, if today, every head bowed. By the way, somebody's gonna leave lost. You're gonna walk out of here rejecting the grace of God. So here's what I wanna do for you seven, eight. If you would like to be saved today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Now listen to me close. This is not a get out of hell prayer. It's not a magical prayer. Can I tell you about this? The prayer won't save you. You see, the prayer is a confession of your heart. So you can whisper this. You can softly speak it. You can shout it. You can move your lips. I don't care how you do it. But care less who hears you. So here we go. You seven or eight. If today you'd like to receive the grace of God, pray this with me. Just say, hey, Jesus, I may be the only one here, but I'm lost. I'm dead, according to Scripture. And so, Jesus, today, if I'm the only one, I believe with all my heart that you love me like I am, but you love me enough to change me. Say this, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I believe you did it for my sin. You took my place. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Now say this. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. You don't got to make a list. He's not Santa Claus making a list, checking it twice. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry for the sin in my life. I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Now say this. Hey, Jesus, today I want to repent. Here's what that means. Change my direction, how I walk. Change my mind, how I think. And to change my purpose, how I live. I receive you into my life. And with my lips, I call you Lord, Savior, Father, friend, forever. Every head bowed. I know I went over. Now, only you and God knows if you meant business. So I'm going to ask. If that prayer was your heart, you prayed that with me just now, and you're not ashamed, would you slip your hands up where I can see you? Hold them up high. I want to see. Come on at the back. Come on, sir. Don't be ashamed. Hold them up high. Young lady, unashamed, unafraid. Just put them up. Brother Ken, I meant that with all my heart. Put them down. 
I'm going to ask you to do two more things. Nobody's going to make you. At least four or five times in Scripture, Jesus says, Matthew 15, you're not ashamed of me and my words won't be ashamed of you. If you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you to the Father. See, right now, your decision's private, but we want to go public. So I'm going to ask you to do two more things. I'm going to count to three. And if you believe what you did was real, as I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand. Remain standing with your head bowed. Now, it's real, real simple. If you didn't mean it, don't stand. If you got to look around and see who stands, don't stand. You may be the only one standing. I already got somebody standing. I haven't even counted. Are you ready? If you believe today that he saved you, that was your heart. That was your prayer. Don't wait for me to count to three. Stand up right now. Come on, stand up right now. Come on, sir. Young lady, young man. Unashamed, unafraid. Because see, if you can't stand here with people that love you, you'll never stand anywhere. Would you come? Come on, stand. I'm only going to count once. We got about six. One, is there somebody else, sir? Young lady, unashamed. Listen, you may be, Jeremy was at a Christian school. Jeremy was a member of a church. Jeremy prayed all, but he never got saved until he was 16. One, two, I won't count again. If you believe today that he saved you, thank you, sir. As I say, three, stand up right now.